Ah, proudly presented by Hot Ham Water from the Bluth Company. So watery, and yet there's a smack of ham to it. That's Hot Ham Water. I am Ryland Grant, screenwriter, Ringo award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant Banjax, and now Suicide Jockeys. The other voice in the dark, the man on the box to the left is... Uh, David Avalone, uh comic book writer, filmmaker, and uh, coffee, coffee, coffee achiever, I believe is the expression. Coffee achiever. If you uh, missed any of our previous conversations, uh, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many, many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it all out. Um, on that tip, Avalone, uh, yes. on the, the, the purveyors of fine ear crack uh, tip, uh, we got some good news uh, uh, this week. Do you want to fill the, uh, the, I, the adoring public I'm not in? Sure I, have it, I have it down perfectly. We were in the top 60 of pop culture visual arts podcasts. Was that it? On yeah, we... we, we yeah, we we, we cracked the the op, the iTunes top sixty in the uh, nice. individual arts category, which is um, which is pretty uh, prestigious. I mean, we're, we we joke all the time that um, you know, everyone uh, and their brother started a podcast uh, uh, during the pandemic, and you in fact started two podcasts. Um, so uh, in, in the visual yes. arts, uh, <laughs> the, the visual arts category is uh, is is one of the the most popular and most uh, populated uh, uh, categories. Everybody has their their movie, their TV, their their comics uh, podcast, um, and uh, we are uh, uh, you know now uh, entrenched in the the top sixty. Uh, <laughs> so so I don't know well, what that says about us. Yeah, Among a lot of things. people. Uh, a lot of people like uh, you know drunken, incoherent rambling. I guess so. Um, so we're we're happy to bring it to you every week. Uh, yeah. Our forty our forty ninth episode um, next yeah. week will be uh, lucky number fifty five zero. Uh, yeah. But before we get started, we we usually pitch a couple of things. Or our uh, we I'm losing important words. Not pitch. Plug. I'm not. I'm sober. That's the problem. Uh, Ryland, More coffee. Uh, if you uh, head down to your local comic shop, you will find both issues one and two of my new uh, bonkers tokusatsu comic, Suicide Jockeys. Um, tokusatsu for the uninitiated is the Japanese sci-fi action genre that includes things like Power Rangers and Super Sentai, but also Kaiju Fair like Godzilla. Um, in a nutshell, this is Fast and the Furious meets Voltron. It is a howling mad good time, but it is also kind of about something uh, uh, there are some, uh, um, you know, big, hairy existential questions being wrestled with uh, uh, from a Zen perspective in the book. Uh, uh, I, I won't give away too much more than that, but um, it has been reviewed phenomenally well. I'm still waiting for our first uh, a, a bad review. I'm going to knock on wood and knock on this and knock on everything else. I'm sure it's coming, uh, but people are loving it. People are getting it. You're going to love it. You're going to get it to run down to your comic shop and uh, do it up. What do you got, Avalani? It is indeed great fun. I have uh, Vincent uh, Elvira meets Vincent Price. Uh, two issues are out. Let's hope that your local comic book store is sold out of them. But if not, they you can you can try and pick it up. Number three is coming October twentieth, and also returning this year for the first time in a while. In two thousand ten, I produced an album of uh, spoken word short stories horror short stories written by my father called Tales of the Frightened. They are narrated by the mighty, the almighty Wes, 
uh, Vernon Wells, and uh, speaking of 1980s action movies. And uh, the music is by Eben Schletter, who's famous for doing all the music for Mr. Show, did some SpongeBob music, that kind of thing. Uh, and they're basically these two and a half page long horror short stories that all begin with the question, are you one of the frightened? Uh, it's available at talesofthefrightened.com. We had it at a record company for a while and we had that relationship has now ended uh, as, as all painful relationships one day must and it's back in our hands and we're very happy to be selling it directly. So talesofthefrightened.com, perfect for your Halloween party. Love it and congrats on that. And speaking of stuff coming back, um, I might as well break the news on our podcast rather than another podcast because I'm doing about two or three others between now and our next show. Uh, Banjax is back home. Um, so so uh, after um, you know after a, a long wrestling match uh, with uh, Action Lab, Banjax is back home with me. Uh, new big announcements coming. Uh, 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 you know, Re my my four time uh, Ringo nominated uh, uh, comic series. Very so nice. st stay tuned for that. More Banjax coming. So today's guests, let me bring them in, Marielle and Simon Burks. Howdy, howdy. Coming, coming to us all the way from Scotland. Is that correct? That is correct. Sunny, sunny Scotland. Sunny, sunny. beautiful it's Scotland. Sunny. <laughs> it's beautiful, its, but it's not famous sunny. Famous for its white sand beaches. <laughs> yes. It's blustery afternoons. Nice. Simon, I think you're muted. You know, you know what? I sound so much better with it mute, muted. It does <laughs> actually have, I think one of the, one of a, a, like on the, is it the West Coast has some really nice beaches, but you probably freeze before you actually, you know, get to the right. water, I, I feel. But you have, nice. but, but Scotland has actual beaches with sand, right? Mm, or is it yeah. rock? It does. Yeah. It does. No, no, sand, when yeah. I was a child visiting England and I went to Brighton, I was like, you're joking that these yeah. people think this is a beach. This is the beach town? This is, we're, this we're, is we're a... From very near Brighton, we just along oh, the yeah. coast, um, Worthing and Chittister Way. And uh, yeah, the same thing. You just have big pebbles. It's not really yeah. big grains of sand. You know, this sort yes. of big grains of sand. Yes. It's yeah. like somebody, I was like, you, someone should tell them these, the, this is supposed to be a lot smaller on yeah. a beach, like yeah. microscopically yeah. small, not... Stone. When, when the tide goes out, you know, yeah. when you're halfway to France, there's there's some sand there. But <laughs> right, yes, but right. only when bit. you're halfway to France do you hit the sand. That's the mm -hmm. that's the anyway. That's funny stuff. Uh, Marielle, tell us a little about yourself, Simon. I am Marielle Boulot. I am writer of uh, comic Busy Little Bees, and I am one half of Blue Fox Comics. And the other half is. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's me, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I'm Simon. And um, yeah, I, 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 I do sort of uh, Blue Fox Comics, which publishes comics, unsurprisingly enough. And, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we've been running for five, uh, six years now. And yeah, and doing okay. And, and you write them as well. You and you're also a writer like Marielle. Yeah, this is this is Marielle's comic, which I happen to have, to have here. Which is lovely. Um, and, but also, and, and behind me, hiding a load of rubbish, uh, are two um, other ones. So Hexes, which I've written, and Robin over there, which I've written. So yes, yes. It, it all started off really with me having a bunch of uh, short films gathering dust. 
on a um, on a hard drive, uh, and and yeah, back in 2014, I think some some spark um, lit in my brain uh, every 10 years, and then um, I thought, well, maybe I can actually turn these short films, which really aren't ever going to make any money, really, even if we make them, um, into into comics. So yeah, so we 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 packed ourselves off to London Super Comic Con in 2014. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and didn't look back since, really. Yeah. And the short films, were these finished short films or were they scripts for short films? Scripts for short cool. films. We, we've, yeah. we, we've, done, we've done a couple of short films. Uh, we actually, we've got a, uh, yeah, we've got a, um, a sitcom up on Amazon Prime and we've also got a, 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 a whatever, a movie uh, on Amazon Prime as well that, uh, that we that I, I've written and we produced and directed and starred and all that sort of stuff. So yes, so we did that as What's well. The, what are what are the titles? What's the title of the sitcom? Uh, the sitcom is called Last Contact. If you're a Red Dwarf fan, if you've ever seen that, there's a chap called Norman Lovett who plays Holly the computer in the first couple of series. Uh, very deadpan uh, comedian. He's in it. Um, and yeah, so yeah, it, it, and it's fun. I mean, it's, it's just silly. It's my weird, quirky humour. So, um, you know, if you can see past the two and a half stars out of 10 IMDb want to give it, then, <laughs> then uh, yeah, 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 it hasn't won any awards yet. But, <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. I didn't know that we both had that sort of similar track of because I started, I wrote my first comic in 2014, and the it's the opportunity didn't necessarily come up because I was frustrated with the film industry, but I was, and it did, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't a cause and effect, no. but someone who knew I was looking for work and who, who believed right or wrong that I was a competent writer, uh, suggested, uh, uh, recommended me to a comic book editor. Yeah. Uh, and that's the beginning of my career. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I, I also have the hard drive full of scripts that I am slowly <laughs> uh, pitching to comic book companies, uh, and we can we can talk about that later. Well, but, I mean, Simon's uh, story is you know, I mean, Simon's story is almost exactly my story. I mean, I I, I um you know when when I I swerved into the comic book lane, I don't know, probably around the same time you did, um, but it was a similar story where I mean, I, I I've actually I mean, my day job is I write you know screenplays, I write uh, you know TV shows in Hollywood. Um, but it was like, it's a weird time to be doing that. You know, Hollywood makes five different kinds of movies. They, they want them all written the same way. Um, and that can get, I, I I always hate to be the asshole who complains about getting paid to write movies, but it's like, that can be, you know, I, when I was a kid, I saw Pulp Fiction. It blew my mind. I said, I want to do that. But by the time I came out to Hollywood, they weren't doing that anymore, (laughs) you know? And, um, and so, um, I got really good at like executing the five films you can write in Hollywood. They bought my house, but like, there was no, there was no magic in it. There was no soul food. There was no, and so, you know, I I had been doing it for about 12 years or so at that point, maybe. And like, and I'm just like, well, I don't, I honestly don't know if I can do this for another 12 years. And so I had to find something. Um, and comics became, you know, my, my creative savior to a certain degree, you know, it became where I got my soul food because you can, you can do anything, you know, in comics, you can tell any kind of story, as long as it's good, you'll find an audience for it. Right. And so, um, so yeah, when I, um, you know, I did my, my first comic, it was, you know, and, and, and it's not, 
I mean, because again, like all of us, I have these shelf full of things that, um, you know, will will never get made that whatever I got paid to write, but will never get made that are going to die on somebody's shelf. Um, and that's, you know, it's like, it's like children that are, <laughs> that no one's ever going to see, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. devastating. And, and, and the idea of, of after, you know, kind of years of that frustrating thing, actually writing something, handing it off to an artist. And then like a few days later, actually seeing art back on it, it was like, it was fucking blew my mind. Right. It's a revelation. Um, and then, you know, cut to years later and yeah, this is still, um, it's my, uh, I don't know. It's my therapy. It's my, my medicine. It's my soul food. It's all of that stuff. Well, um, it, probably would have still as frustrating as it was back then, but anyway, go ahead. It, I was going to say it, it, especially coming from filmmaking and knowing how difficult filmmaking is the, the, the mind blower of comic books is yes. I, I know there are artists who work around the clock and people have very hard schedules in this business, especially to make deadline deadlines, but no one's making me drive to the desert at four in the morning uh, and spend 16 hours, <laughs> you know, in the sun uh, to make my stories uh, come to life. I mean, art writers, I think have it the easiest in that, you know, we do the writing and then we sit here and then the magic just kind of floats into our inbox and we go, well, that's friggin' beautiful. And I didn't have to eat a craft service donut for breakfast to see it. That's pretty, that's pretty great. Um, so there's a lot, it, it is, it is appealing in that way. Uh, I always, there's a great David Lean quote. Somebody once asked David Lean, what's the difference between making a bad movie and making a great movie? And he said, well, when you make a great movie, you get to get up really early in the morning. And when you're making a terrible movie, you have to get up really early in the morning. And that's the difference that I've noticed yeah. in my, you know, 40 years of filmmaking. But well, 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 here's the thing. It's like, even when, even when filmmaking is going well, like as well as it can go, right? I mean, the, 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 the cliche, but there's truth to it, is that like, you know, you sell something, everything goes exactly right. And you are lucky if it is on the screen somewhere like in five years, you know, um, uh, I, 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 I sold a, um, I sold a TV series to Lionsgate on Oscar Sunday. Um, uh, that was a while ago. <laughs> um, we didn't even get paperwork on it until two months ago. Uh, a, 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 a counter on the paperwork went out, uh, um, like a day or two later. And, um, we're still waiting to hear. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, yeah, and, and all that said, like nothing's wrong. Everything's going like as well as it yeah. can go. Yeah. But that is just how things go. And then again, like I, you know, I, I wrote some comic pages last week, and I'm already getting, uh, you know, I'm already getting, um, uh, you know, the uh, the layouts on, yeah. on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, yeah. and and in a month, I'll have a drawn comic, <laughs> and a month after that, I'll have a colored comic, yeah. and. Uh, um, and, you know, so it's like it, yeah. any any company past a certain size, you have that problem. When my father was writing novels in sixties, seventies, eighties, he would get he would get the go ahead to start writing, and the, he would generally have a hundred and fifty two hundred page novel finished before he actually had the contract, and then he would have to sort of sit on the finished manuscript for a month so they didn't think he was a psychopath who finished writing the book in a day. <laughs> yeah. you know, he didn't want them knowing that he was writing without a signed contract, and he also didn't want them knowing that he could write that fast. So he's like, now I just got to sit here like a jerk for two months so that it looks like at least a reasonable amount of time for me to have written a novel. Yeah. Has, and he had a reputation for being fast 
even being a guy who sat on manuscripts for months because he just, that was the way the machinery worked. Yeah. Um, but the good thing for me, at least, is I learned at a very early age, like the business is friggin' molasses and you just have to know that about it and settle into it as much as you can. And, uh, but one way to get around that is being in control of your own shit. And that is way easier on comic books than it is on a lot of other things mm-hmm. and easier in this era because of the Kickstarter. So the first question is, was your first comic Kickstarter? Did you start with this model right away or did you ease into it? Yes, we started right away. Um, I don't think I've got it here, but yes. So sin is number one. Um, which was, uh, yeah, the first comic. Um, although I think actually, yeah, the first comic, I think we went through two different artists who um, the first one just couldn't finish it. And then the second one, I got all, got all the art in at the end and then thought, no, this is not quite right. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure whether I knew about Kickstarter at that point, but yeah, by the time uh roy started work on it or, or, or did the pages yeah i knew about kickstarter thankfully and um uh yeah so it was like yeah we went straight 2015 in fact january of 2015 i could I, I was on a contract um uh, away from home in, in essex and uh i i, I remember just sitting there I, I was supposed to be working i was supposed to be doing it for god's sake but i was sitting there with like the, the kickstarter screen and, and i was young then so it was sort of uh yeah i kept refreshing it that, that, yeah, of course then. Yeah, we all, um, it's, yeah, it's 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 the rat with the cocaine button. Yeah, <laughs> in the science experiment, that's that that's the refresh Kickstarter bar. It's like hit me again, hit me again, hit me again. Yeah. God damn we it, it only for, went up twenty dollars. Yeah, we were looking for twelve hundred pounds, and I think we I think we made it in the last couple of days, and it was uh, thanks to friends and family on that specific occasion, because, you sure. know, we're starting out, and we probably... It's always out. the first one. Yeah, about, about 100 back. So were you you were financing this out of pocket, I'm assuming, yeah. for those first two artists and even for the third one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, um, I was fortunate. I was fortunate enough to be working in IT and being a contractor, so... Um, yeah, so the, I, uh, much to my uh, accountant's annoyance, I think I was sort of have one company which was also so the IT stuff was paying for the artists, and I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure I should be admitting this on on anywhere, but anyway, it, it's whack <laughs> and um, uh, it's legal. I'm pretty sure that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure, it's fine. Yeah. Should I jump in here and say anyway? So we did a, we did a lovely Kickstarter. It went really well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. but yes, yeah. It, it was it was it was very um, it was very sort of I think grassroots organic in the way that we started, sure. which I think is how lots of people do. Yeah, um, yeah. Where were you? Where were you finding the artists? Uh, when we went to London Super Comic Con, really, we went round and um, we. I met um, one of the artists there, uh, a chap called Lyndon White, who, who does a lot, has done a lot of work for us. Uh, uh, he certainly stood out. Um, and then what, what I what I realised was a good thing to do, um, and this might not have been until like maybe another con afterwards, but basically if I went around picking up uh, indie anthologies, which had lots of obviously indie, indie artists That's in, that, that was a better way of approaching indie artists because they were they were obviously, uh, as they're already in a book, they obviously they don't mind doing it, so um, that that was the plan. So I found 
uh, Roy uh, to do Sinners. He was he was one of the um, one of the artists in in a book called Afterlife Inc., which is very good. Um, and yeah, so I, I approached him from there, and he was happy. And yeah, we we, we got going really. So although it, it was interesting because that first book, uh, and, and it's still going on now. I mean, it was uh, like a it's like a twelve issue sort of long thing, uh, and uh, so. If I was starting again, I'd start with a one-off or several one-off stories because uh, I remember Marielle and I sitting at the uh, our first Comic Con and, and probably every other um, people, person coming up to the table said, oh, is, is, is it a one and done or whatever? And you say, no, it's like one of 12. And then they'd wander off. You'd see them wander off. <laughs> right. right. They're like, I'm not, I'm not investing that much time. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't have a year to wait to find out how this thing ends. If not five yeah. years. Yeah. So definitely, if you, if you if you're thinking about getting into it, do a do a one off. So, uh, but yeah. And you guys always do floppies, right? You always do single issues. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we sort of. Um, we we. Uh, I think that some early ones that we did. Um, there's one called The Girl in a Midnight Gown, which I think I, I just wrote and, and had drawn and, and went out and came out. But I think that's probably the only one. All the others came out as, as single issues because, again, on Kickstarter, it allows you to build up a following, really. So, right, um, right. Well, that's yeah. the thing. To me, that's the most curious thing about your success and the most interesting thing is when I started researching, like, the shipping on floppies i immediately went well i'm never doing this i'm gonna do a graphic novel and collect at least four issues at a time and not bother with floppies but partially that's connected to the there's their piece of conventional wisdom which always be suspicious about conventional wisdom which your entire model destroys mm. which is oh don't do ooh, three kickstarters a year that's a lot man like only only do one at a time, only do like, yeah. you do one a month, right? You have a new one starting within a week of every one that finished. Yeah, last one finished, uh, yeah, last Tuesday, well, yeah. And yeah. the next one starts on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's gonna work out at one a month. Um, so yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. I mean, there's a template there now. I mean, they, the last yeah. thing is people went to look at, one of our Kickstarter campaigns, um, you would see that certainly the last six or so look similar, have the sim very similar feel. Um, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what changes is basically the story bit at the top, which tells you a bit about what, what it is we're selling and the video. Um, but apart from that, a lot of everything else is, is, is very similar, um, but which allows us, yeah, allows us to do a reasonably quick turnaround. Although, if you could see what Marielle's looking at now, which is like two and a half thousand comics stacked against the wall um, in the yeah. same room, um, but yes, so many boxes. <laughs> that, that, I, I, yeah, I mean that that becomes my question because I did. Um, I mean, when when we kind of went into our our black hole here, you know, in the states with with comics, comic shops closing, pencils down everywhere. Um, you know, I, I had for a few years put uh, comics in comic shops, and now suddenly that's not happening anymore. Um, opportunities dry up, the doors are closing, and I have all this material, what do I do with it? And there were friends who were big Kickstarter advocates, um, and now count me, uh, you know, among the, the, you know, the biggest of those. Um, um, yeah. I mean, the, the joke here is that every guest we have on, I, I, I spend about half the show trying to convince them to, to move on to Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I, did, um, I did three in a year, basically. 
Um, and, and it was mostly the fulfillment, um, uh, completely burned me out, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. sent, I don't know, you know, I, I, I sent, uh, over a thousand packages in that year, you know, and, um, and it was, uh, yeah, I mean, my fingers are, are, are still bleeding and, uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine one a month. Um, and I, and I, you know, I scroll through your campaigns. I mean, you, you have very you know, very robustly back campaigns. <laughs> so these are not, it's not a hundred people at a time that, that you're yeah. dealing with, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I mean, so how are you managing that? I mean, th th this is the thing is that such a juggling act, right? Is like, so what I'm still trying to figure out because, um, you know, I, I, I went into it being like, okay, well, I can do three or four a year. That is, that, that's reasonable. Um, what I found was that I was spending so much time fulfilling and promoting uh, that I wasn't doing nearly as much creating as I wanted to be. So how do you find that balance when you have to fulfill 12 of these in a year? Um, That's well, a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, I mean, fulfillment, it's, um, the, good, the good thing is uh, from October last year onwards or, or November onwards, um, I'm able to do this nine to five now and because of Kickstarter as well. I mean, because we've got that mm -hmm. money coming in uh, and because Mario is also helping um, with all the money. And um, so we were able to do that and I'm able to do it full time. So that's one of the reasons. That's one of the hows because obviously it's clearly not going to be everyone's nine to five job. Um, but uh, um, you say at the moment, um, how do I do it? I, I just, you just don't really have any boundaries. I mean, it's like, you know, the thing where people say, we're not working from home, we're living at work. It's kind of, that is kind of what it is. I mean, today I spent most of the day stuffing envelopes. And, um, but I, I guess you just get a good routine. When, when you say about um, things like promotion, I, I don't do as much promotion of the Kickstarters that I used to do. So when, when it's running it kind of just ticks over by itself and we're fortunate because mm -hmm. obviously I, I guess because we did the groundwork before um with the you know because this is we, this is like 36 kickstarters down now um we, wow. we we've got all those people and they're and and, and they come on board and because we deliver you know they're, they're very confident and they're you know they, they expect us they expect to get the product so they're, they're quite they're quite relaxed about it so yes I, so i don't push um uh, as much as I did say, like in the first one or the first ten, um, it's a lot more. Okay, kick it off. Make sure, it, and we set it like the the goal we set is like a thousand pounds. That's kind of whatever, however much we need, we set it at a thousand pounds because, well, because we're a publisher now, and, and we, I'm quite confident we would say the last one's been doing four or five thousand um, pounds, so that does cover our costs. Um, but really, it, you know, it's. Um, sort of skin in the game type thing. So, so we 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 give it a goal which we're pretty confident we're going to hit. And obviously, by hitting that goal as well, then everybody else looks. Oh, they've already funded. That's good. We'll right. uh, we'll come on board and we'll back. So that helps as well. That helps the um, the snowball effect type thing. Um, it's, it's probably worth mentioning that it's not. You know, I think it's one of those things that because, um, like you say, you're you're you'll be an advocate for Kickstarter, and it's not something that we would ever say to anybody. You should start off by doing at least six or seven Kickstarters every year because it would be yeah. craziness. So mm. yeah, I think it's something that we have built up to and been able. Um, just yeah. been sort of a bit lucky, lots of hard work, and a bit lucky in that we've been able to build up to doing as yeah. many now and now it's kind of nice because it's got the momentum of right. there's always something going on yeah i can i can honestly like as someone who's backed 
most of your last bunch of campaigns, I see, I see how it works. I mean, I know the, I know I can trust you guys that it's going to be a, a quality book that it's going to be worth reading. I know it's going to get finished. I know it's going to get to my hands. Hmm. Um, and it's just very simple. It really, you know, unless the premise was something in that first paragraph where I went, wow, I am not interested in this at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it would have to be something just absolutely like I couldn't be interested at all. Yeah. Um, what, 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 what wouldn't you be interested in? I'm, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, I was struggling to pitch. think of that <laughs> because I literally, I was just, you know, <laughs> weeping at the Ted Lasso uh, finale yeah. last night going, apparently I can be made to care about English football. So that's why. There's a topic I have never had an ounce of interest in. And now it's up, I'm very emotionally emotionally interested in what Richmond, how Richmond is going to do next year. Now that we'll they're your passport, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, so it's, it is hard to, but you know, it's almost always interesting genre stuff and all of that. And again, I think the trust goes a long way. And I think it's uh, in, in like specific and definitive counter to the common knowledge and the, to the, to, the conventional wisdom. I think it's the, it is the steadiness of your product. It is the fact that you're doing <clears throat> one every month, <clears throat> essentially. Yeah. That actually encourage it's, it's, it, you know, people think the opposite <clears throat> that it's like, Oh, it's too much. I'm overwhelmed. It's like, no, it's, it's one comic book a month. I can buy one comic book a month. Yeah. A month from, you know, Marvel. Why not yeah. buy uh, one comic book enough? A month from signing yeah. now, you know. It's, we, 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 we are in the age of subscriptions, certainly. You know, whether it's okay. You know, I, I know that every month Netflix is going to have something interesting, you know, for me to watch. I, I don't know what it's going to be. It may come out of left field. My wife and I just watched a, um, a, a, a Christian weight loss cult documentary that was fucking riveting. Um, uh, and I, I never expected it to be. Um, you know, so, so yeah, you are a, uh, a, you know, you're, you are a comic Netflix to a certain degree. It's like, well, next month, they're certainly going to have something that is going to, you know, blow my doors off. So I'm, I, I'm going to stay in the game. I mean, I think you make some interesting points, you know, from a creator's perspective. I mean, a, a lot of our audience, they're, they're comic book creators and a lot of them are, are doing Kickstarters or thinking about doing their Kickstarters. And, um, I mean, you guys are an interesting study, uh, you know, in terms of like looking what can be built over time. And and you've already kind of made these points, but let me hit them right on the head is that like the more you do this, the more your um, your floor rises. Right. I mean, I think everybody is worried about, OK, well, I'm going to put this work in. Is it going to be worth it in the end? Are the dollars going to be there? Am I going to pay for my art? Am I going to you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and, and the more you do this, you establish a presence on the platform. Right. Um, and, and so, so, you know, no matter what, I mean, you, you may end up with this much, you may end up with that much, um, you know, your, your, your ceiling will vary, but your floor rises every time. Like, you know, you can depend on a certain amount of, uh, 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 of response and, 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 and that ends up being a big deal. Um, and yeah, I, I don't remember what my, my last point was. I'm going to think about it and I'll come back. To that you okay, on it. Well, yeah. A couple of questions that have, that, that come to mind. One is how, what was the, what was the speed and process of the ramp up? Like you started with one. How soon after the first one did you do a second one? And when, when did you land at this many? All right. Good question. Let me just uh, click a few buttons for you. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, 
I think the truth of it was for quite a few years we were doing we were doing like just through probably three or four actually probably averaging mm-hmm. I think maybe more I don't know three four five um, but it's that really right. yeah, yeah I think yeah about at least three a year I think we were doing but it's only this year where again it probably has something to do with the fact you know doing it full time and, and knowing I've, I've got the time to be able to put into it but it's right. just this year where we've started doing one a month um, okay mm-hmm. so you you hit that speed within the last year and change <laughs> yeah I, I think i think as a um loads of things happen we, we sort of moved we moved up to scotland obviously we we're from the south coast originally um south coast of england uh, and then um and really we're sort of near edinburgh we moved towards edinburgh and we found out really that edinburgh is quite you know, an artistic town and yeah. and and also scotland have got quite a, a got a strong comic presence as well um you know very, very proud of their their comics um and their, and their people so really it all we, we ended up in a really good place by by sort of moving up to scotland we, so we, we moved up for my job but so it really expanded and really helped um, bolster Blue Fox. Um, and one of those, uh, and I think by lifting our name up, and I don't think people found us a lot easier, just, you know, SEO or whatever online. And we were getting more submissions and, and good submissions uh, mm. as well. So I think that really helped. Um, that then start, you know, gave us confidence to, um, yeah, to grow. Yeah, I think it's what I'm waffling about. But yeah, so. Uh, and also do different books. So, I mean, looking at the, all our list of books, we we do lots of different things. But you know, we also like fishing memories came in um, from a chap, and that's sort of like an Alzheimer's sort of um, book, uh, graphic novel. Um, but it kind—I of, don't know—it kind of fits in with kind of just what we do, and it's really interesting. And I really like artists who are different and quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm waffling. But you carry on. <laughs> no, that's 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 all. That's all very interesting. I also was curious, uh, the other thing that occurred to me is, you know, the the first comic I kickstarted, I did so with the intention that, you know, once it was paid for by the Kickstarter and once it was created, I would move it into, and I did, uh, I cut up that four-part, uh, five-part trade paperback into five floppies and rolled them out through Diamond. Uh, and got them published in comic book shops, and now we're you know we're going to publish that trade again. You know, legitimately, <laughs> you know, not not publishing it through Kickstarter, publishing it, uh, you know, trying to get it in bookstores and the like. Are you on any kind of path with that with Blue Fox? Um, yes, the uh, <laughs> we, we um, obviously this. I mean, in October, you're in 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 previews. We've got two books in in the okay. US previews now. This is the first time we've got uh, Mountain of Madness and Gone. Um, both uh, say both available um, via well, wherever US previews is, I guess. Um, so that's there. We, I don't think we're going to go down the uh, floppies into comic shops as such. Um, but we've got is, a, is Mouth of Madness a uh, Mounds of Madness a collection? Or is it? No, it's a. Uh, so there we go. So got Mountain of Madness. Um, it was a. It was. Uh, we we actually kickstarted it last March, into April, and that was the one that really took off. Um, it being Lovecraft and it being kickstarted. Right. Um, right. So we we, we know the, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think I made a joke last week, didn't I? Uh, about yeah, that? About, yeah, about yeah. Lovecraft. Yeah. I yeah. always think of yeah. the, I can't remember who the British writer was who, discover, who discovered that uh, the three most popular bestsellers in England were books about World War II, books about golf, and books about cats. And he wrote a humor, he wrote a humor collection called Golfing for Cats, and he put a swastika on the cover with the idea that this will be the biggest bestseller of all time. Nice. And on, you know, on, on Kickstarter, it's something like Lovecraft's cat, you know. Yeah, yeah Lovecraft, Lovecraft, Cthulhu, and yeah, and, and if they're, and cats. If they're large-breasted women <laughs> yeah. in superhero. That, yeah, that's it. The, the that, Kickstarter version yeah. is Lovecraft's cat's boobs, I think, is the, the number one selling yeah. Kickstarter title. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah, that one came through, moving on. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, and yeah, that, so that did really well. And, and, and I'd say it was just, uh, yeah, uh, it came out of the blue and it took, we did like 30. And, and did that hit previews this month? Is that your first to put in yes. previews? Yes, uh, we've been in the UK previews um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, before, but this is the first time in the main previews, so yes. So yeah, earlier on this month, I emailed 280 odd comic shops, <laughs> only one of which came back and said, "Take me off this email list, please." Um, <laughs> all, the others, all the others were very nice. Uh, and uh, that's, a, so, that's yes. a pretty good one out of 280 is a pretty good average. I think. Yeah. 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 I'm going to put it down to my email writing skills. Yeah, and um, of course. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Hopefully, we'll get some good orders. Um, uh, and then I, I dropped them another email a couple of days ago to say, oh, if this does well, maybe these two for next time. So yeah, we're trying to we're trying to build that up. But we we also got a book distributor as well. I mean, that's one of the good things about being in, in Scotland and everything. We we've, we've got a book distributor, so we're now in uh, we're now available. Uh, yeah, Amazon and and um, uh, and uh, sorry, all, all the you just go online and, and, and order us really, which is which is very nice, and all the big. Bookshops in the UK as well um, have our books, and even one up the road in Edinburgh. It's not just one. I'm obviously up till now. We've been walking and saying, "Hey, would you like? You know, do you would like to sell sure. these comic books?" But now they actually just, you know, I can just email them and they can order them through the book distributor, and and it's yeah. And and, and every day I, I I feel less like an imposter, but it's it's a very slow thing. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, I think I think after thirty six successful campaigns, I think um, you know I I think you're in good shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Kickstarter is okay. I mean, a lot of people say Simon, you should be doing you know maybe try and bottle that into some sort of course. But I don't know what I don't know. I'm not very good. Oh, you mean a course like teaching people how to how to do a successful Kickstarter publishing? Yeah, yeah. Well, this 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 podcast can be the sneak preview of that course. Then. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I'm terrible because a lot of people can you know, talk for half an hour and give you like one nugget of information. I, I I'm just I just got to tell you what it is straight away and then you know go off and make a cup of tea. You know that's sort of. I have, I I I take the creation of comic books very seriously. I think it's a very serious. You know, it's a it's an art form. If you're going to get involved in it, learn about it, read about it, whatever. That said, almost every how to write comic books book by a professional comic book writer has maybe 20 good pages in it. And the rest is here are some pages of mine that are sort of good that might teach you something. Here's an article like I, Brian Bendis, I think is a great comic writer. His book on comic book writing is essentially one good essay 
and then four of his friends doing their version of that good essay, and that's mm. the book. <laughs> and that's fine, and that's great. Those books should exist. But I'm always kind of fascinated by not everyone who does a thing can boil it down and explain why it works and what's good about it. Like, I know maybe three or four smart things about how to write a comic book. I'm not going to go out and, like, I'm not doing an online course on how to write a comic book. Mm -hmm. I'm not, uh, I am not qualified. Um, and, the, and there's always that thing, uh, which I've talked about before, of, Anyone teaching you anything, you have to take into account what their perspective is and what their how their experience feeds what they're telling you about how to do X, Y, and Z. And what works for Blue Fox Comics might absolutely not work for your comic book or your thing or how you want to do things or, yeah. you know, whatever. So you always have to go into these things without... Cynicism isn't even the right word, but perspective... Yeah. Unlike, yeah. it's there's a, you you know you guys have a great model, and it works for you. And the question of is it scale upable? Is it scale downable? You know, I mean, and you just said you did it for what 2014 to 2019 at least before it was 12 a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, and a lot of people always just you know the 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 worst the worst example that people can take from, you know, watching a company like yours is they would look at blue Fox comics and go, so next year we're doing 12. It's like, no, no, no. The lesson of blue Fox comics is do three a year for seven years, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then do 12 a year. The lesson isn't jump right to the end of the line because you haven't built up that audience and that trust and that background, yeah. you know? Yeah, and again, there's a lot of there's a lot of going to conventions and being seen at conventions, and and people say, and I think you know, Marielle's people have, have said to you, oh, yeah, when, um, when you've been walking around the floor talking to the artist, they say, oh yeah, she was anyway. Yes. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I go around and I speak to people, and they, yes, they they will they'll they'll have seen us or they'll have seen us before. I think that's a lot of it is, um, as all of us here know, is is being present and is being seen, um, yeah. and you know, sort of being able to. I mean, a lot of what we've done as well, like Simon's saying there, is we've taken our books. To the, it's 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 always it's never one thing. It's always lots of things. So you know, it's the Kickstarters. It's going to the conventions. It's um, talking to the artists. It's talking. You know, it's be it's having an online presence. Everybody knows that's important but yeah, it's also being physically present as well and someone yeah. who actually does keep cropping up in various places i mean that's why we don't do just just the london comic cons we'll do london we'll do manchester we'll do edinburgh back when then you know up and running and dare i say it should the world ever go back to normal and, and everything is safe we will start doing that again it's it's those sorts of things and i think it's absolutely um, yeah just being being present and and dare I say it, just um, putting in a, a lot of work, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it's really well, and, the ground line. And don't, you know, also I would say there's a lot to be said for being a, not merely a presence, but being a positive presence. Hmm. Uh, being a supportive, helpful, friendly presence is a good thing. You can show up at cons and be an asshole for a few years and that, <laughs> You know, for some people that well, that can. works, depending yeah. on your depending on your fan base and what kind of comic you're drawing. But uh, you know, I met you guys through the fan base press Saturday morning 
uh, comics and coffee thing, which was started uh, over the pandemic, much like pretty much exactly like this com this this uh, this podcast as a way of sort of we don't have conventions anymore, so how do we stay in touch and how do we stay friendly? And I don't. How did you guys know of uh, fan base press? How did you find out about that call? I they uh, <clears throat> they they have backed. Uh, no, not backed. Uh, looking at yeah, they, they have uh, reviewed uh, some of oh. our some of our comics. Um, obviously, for you know, to get the to get those review quotes on the Kickstarter. So it's all kind of interconnected. But yeah, so yeah, um, uh, yeah. So and they've always they've always, and they've always supported. And they you know, a lot yeah. of the times they have reviewed our stuff. Where obviously a lot of those emails you send out just disappear in, into the ether, and that's understandable because people are busy and they probably get a lot uh, of requests. But uh, that's that's where we heard from them. So yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's good and it's nice. It's been good. Yeah, it has been good to um, meet everyone and and and, and you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know that we've talked about it a lot before, uh, but um, just for those listening and watching that don't know, Fanbase Press is a publisher based out of North Hollywood. Barbara and Bryant Dillon, two of the nicest people in comics, married couple. And they uh, have a, when the pandemic started, actually pretty early, I feel like the first one might've been as soon as like April, 2020, uh, when lockdown was really in effect. They started a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Zoom call for comics professionals, open to everybody, open to anyone listening to this, by the way. If you go on Twitter and find Fanbase Press, you will find probably find a link to it. I know they post it every week on Facebook and you show up and talk to people and we go around and say who had some positive news this week. Uh, we always try to start that way. But I've met lovely people through that call and none lovelier than Simon and Marielle. And uh, you know, it's one of the many benefits, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be two silver linings about, you know, something so ghastly as the plague. But I don't know how quickly I would have met any number of people, including, you know, comics people based in outside of Edinburgh. Um, you know, so so quickly. I you know I don't know if you've ever come to American cons. Um, uh, we can't. I, we, we had but, that. Yeah. Yes. Came to <laughs> LA a couple of years ago. I had a um, meeting with Tokau a couple of years ago. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I've got a short story in one of the anthologies, Stairway Anthology. So, yeah. yeah. So, that's so what you, I came you came out here to meet with Top Cow? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Just, uh, we came on holiday, really. And then we died. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Haven't had a meeting. Yeah. Well, that's essentially, you know, since, since no one's ever paying me to fly to comic book conventions, I usually just go, we're going on a vacation to Seattle. And three of those days, I will be at <laughs> Comic Con. Yeah, and this is exactly. how I write off my vacations as business expenses. Um, and boy, am I looking forward to a vac! Yet I really want to get into uh, Thought Bubble. Yeah, uh, as I, I've, I've been meaning to come back to the UK, and that's the one that everybody says nice things about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be there. above the others, as far as I've heard. What's that? I've heard it is what? head and shoulders above the other UK cons, but I don't really know personally 
Yeah. We lo we love it, but it's yeah. very much about the comics. I think that's why yeah. it, it really is very much about the comics. And um, going back to what you were saying about sort of community and supportive community, and meeting people, and it's it's a it's an excellent space for that as well. So mm. yes, highly recommended, definitely. It, 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 it is so hard to find those cons these days. I mean, may, maybe it's different in the UK and the states. It is um, uh, everybody in the states like we love. Uh, like Baltimore Comic Con is one that is actually still a Comic Con. You go to all these other cons and it is the like new Marvel tra trailer con, you know, or the, yeah. I don't know, pop culture insanity con or whatever. Um, there are very few <laughs> that are actually still Comic Cons. Uh, Baltimore is one of them. Uh, and there are a few others. I, I, I don't want to get into sorting them out on the air right now and offending yeah, yeah. someone, but they yeah. are few and far between now. And when you find one of those, uh, you definitely plant a flag and, um, and it's nice. I mean, it's it's what you know. Uh, Avaloni and I um, have spent a lot of time together at the Long Beach cons, um, mm -hmm. and the the Long Beach Comic Con or or the Comic Expo they do too. Um, and they're 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 not as big as others. I mean, we're we're in Southern California. We have some huge cons around here, but it is a it is a comic convention. It is a comic community convention. It is, you know, Artist Alley is a big. It is a big party. You know, and when you're on the bill there, you're on the bill with 10 of your friends and it's an incredible time, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. two, three days of this, you know? Hmm. Yeah. yeah does, do, do, does all of Europe come to uh, Thought Bubble or is it very UK centric in terms of attendance? Now you're asking. Um, and particularly, I'm, like I'm thinking in terms of, of professionals, not as much fans. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, then, yes, it's quite, I mean, yeah, it's quite international. I think, you know, I mean, it, you know, it, it is, there's a lot of UK there. Because of course. It's, it's, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it is. It, I think that is a one as well where, and again, where it's about the comics. I mean, all of the others have their place and are awesome for many things, but where it's really about the comics and where you'll, I think you'd find, um, you know, definitely international creators and um, contributors sure. would be at Thought Bubble. Yeah. Just, so, you know, the, the nature of the industry I'd say 60% of the artists I've worked with are in your time zone, not mine. Uh, <laughs> currently, I'm working with Silvia Califano, who's in Rome, yeah. with uh, Juan Samu, who's in Spain. I can't remember off the top of my head what city in Spain. Like the, uh, A lot of the comics were like, and of course, because of the time zone difference, I wake up at 9 a.m. and they're like, my work day is finished. Here's some pages. And I'm like, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> it's always my worst, worst time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm in the same boat where, um, you know, I have, a, I have artists working for me in Brazil, in uh, Mexico, in Hungary. Uh, my letterer is in the UK. My go-to colorist is in Indonesia. So all different schedules. And so, you know, I have this this pesky day job where, where I write movies. And so sometimes I go to bed. And I'm like, okay, well, tomorrow's going to be great because I have the entire day to work on this movie and <laughs> I don't have to worry about any comic stuff, blah, 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 blah. But you go to sleep and, you know, and, and while that's happening, your letterer is churning away and your colorist is churning away and then you wake up and it's like, okay, well, now I have an entire issue. You to, wake uh, up with 40, uh, you know, 40 so, pages to approve. Yeah, it's approved for the letter, and the and yeah. the colorist has sent me twelve pages, and I have this problem I have to put out with the guy who's working in Portugal, and um, and then the day is shot, um, yeah. and so it's um it's funny will, how different it is. I will say is. that there's a number of times that is literally what gets me out of bed. Like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to sleep in, and I look at my phone, and I go, oh, he's <laughs> sitting there at you know eleven o'clock at night in Spain, wondering if I like these pages. I should really. 
drag my ass to the computer, open these <laughs> files and get back to him and tell him they're great so that he can yeah. go to sleep and feel like his work day is over and mine can begin. But uh, well, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I still marvel at, at, at just what a miracle it is that all this is possible. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, certainly wasn't 10 years ago. You know, it, it, it pretty much wasn't five years ago. I mean, just the fact that we're sitting here on a video call <laughs> and we're in Los Angeles, yeah, and you guys are in Scotland. And we, 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 we would not know each other 10 years ago. We would not be having this discussion, you know, like a, if, if we were to speak, it would be an international call. We would be, you know, we'd be charged like $9 a minute and, yeah. uh, yeah. and, and, and $2,010 or something like that. Um, th there's that, but also this, this international marketplace, you know, we've, we've talked about this before you go to, um, I mean, these, these Facebook groups connecting comic book writers and artists that have like 32,000 members now. And it's mm. just this international, you know, just, just, just a gallery of artists being like, here's my work, need a job. Here's my work, need a job. And, you know, and the fact that, I mean, there is this, I mean, all these artists I have working all around the world, right. Um, uh, we communicate exclusively via email. Most of them don't speak a word of English, you know, like I, I send an email, it goes into Google Translate, yeah. uh, they get about 95% of what I'm, I'm after uh, immediately, 95 to 97. Sometimes the final, I don't know, two, three percent can be a little difficult, but, but we figured out how to work it out. We have a, a shorthand now, pay them exclusively via PayPal. The entire workflow is digital now. We're not dealing with physical drawings. Uh, um, revisions like come instantaneously. Massive files are traded via Dropbox in a minute. I mean, this is like we <laughs> we do not stop and realize what a fucking miracle this is. Yeah. You know, because the uh, you know it's, it's what I tell people who are who are looking to get into this for the first time is that it has never been more possible to do this. You know, like I I always have to stop myself from saying easy easier you know because it's never e it's never easy of yeah, course but it is, it, you know yeah, it's a, it is always like it, it, you know it is it, it, it is a daily like kick to the junk of course like in one way or another however like wow you know yeah. and and and, yeah. and and okay so 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 look how far we came in these last 10 years 10 years from now you know when we hop on you know, whatever the fuck, however we're communicating then, be <laughs> a hologram or whatever. What are we going to be talking about then? I mean, that that's, uh, anyway, that's yeah. my rant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, my, very oh, first, yeah. my favorite, my very first job, the artist was named David Carrera. He was someone dynamite assigned to me. And I went on Facebook and I looked up David Carrera and there was one and he had a really beautiful drawing as his avatar. So I was like, probably the guy. Mm -hmm. And I clicked on him and I saw the, I didn't recognize the name of the town, clicked on that, the map comes up, he's on an island off the coast of Morocco. And I'm like, okay, yeah. okay, I'm working closely with a man who lives on an island off the coast of Morocco. And that's my, you know, and he did great artist. We worked very smoothly together, but it's just kind of a funny, Dave Acosta, who's drawn probably 80% of the comic book pages I've written really close friend of mine, never met him. Hmm. Never been in the same room with him. We've had some video calls. We've talked on the phone a hundred times. We chat on Facebook almost every day. That's how I get pages from him actually, which is funny. Yeah. But uh, wild that we've never been in the same room yet. After, hmm. I think at this point it's five, six years of working together. I wanted to ask about one more con that I'm curious about just out of sheer curiosity. You guys ever get down to Italy for Luca? Not yet. 
I've heard um, great things about that con and I know the city is amazing. So I really want to, I mean, city is a grand word The the town, yeah. uh, uh, I made a documentary a few years ago about, uh, a black American soldier who actually liberated Luca during World War II. So I've seen a lot of footage of it. Uh, okay. And I was just really surprised that that's where the big Italian comic book convention is of all the places in the world. It's not any, it's not Rome, it's not Milan yeah. or Genoa. It's in this walled city in the countryside of Tuscany. You know, which sounds good to me. Yeah. Yes, I, it's good for your holiday. So yeah. it, <laughs> it works out well. I definitely remember somebody saying, I think one of our backers, um, Italian backers, was saying um, that a lot of the, I don't think a lot of the comic books, they they won't buy English comic books, I think. They said that it'll have to be translated. I'm with, I, think, I think I'm getting that around the right way. So, uh, yes. So we'd have to probably... Uh, yeah, get some Italian translations from for, to, to go there and sell any. But as you say, just go there and have a look. We we recently were fortunate enough to go to Switzerland, uh, and uh, Marielle speaks fluent French, uh, and so yes, we, we brought back a number of fantastic, uh, fan, well, beautiful. Um, just you know, they're 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 understanding that the graphic novel is this thing of beauty. Yeah, and, uh, and is just. I wish I wish we had that. <laughs> is it it does England suffer under the same or should say the UK suffer under the same perception that the United States does that it's largely a genre a, a superhero genre art form? Yeah, we we don't have yeah, the beautiful books that uh, cuz I know that in Italy and France and Spain like comics are no different really than novels or poetry or music it's another art form that highly respected people do you know uh i remember uh uh alan moore wrote a great essay about comic books as you know about writing comic books and he was talking about the preponderance of superhero titles and he's like it's like if every novel ever written was about pirates and it was weird to write a novel that wasn't about pirates like something really specific a really specific genre like oh poems poems are always about cowboys right like there are no <laughs> non-cowboy poetry is just weird who would yeah. even do that and it's such a strange thing that america i mean chaikin does a whole thing about how that the infantilization of comic books and superheroes come out of the whole wortham thing in america in the 50s i don't know what the british version of that is that sort of pushed comics away from real topics and into people in tights punching each other. Uh, I still have a British comic I bought when I was visiting as a child, which is a huge newspaper sized thing. And it's a World War II commando, where eagles dare kind of thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, I remember reading a lot of comics when I was in England as a child and it being a pretty you know, popular and common thing to run into, but that was a very long time ago. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Commando ones, I think my brother had Commando comics. <laughs> I can't remember what the title was. I still have it folded up somewhere uh, under, a, under a pile of 2000 ADs, I think, is where it's currently old 80s, 2000 ADs that would probably be worth a lot of money had I taken any care of them at all. 
which I very much did not do. Never was not my thing in the eighties taking care of comics. But uh, do you think art? So comics that you're saying like America are they're not taken as seriously as an art form in the UK. I would say that's fair. I would say that's fair because as and because when I so one of the ways that I learned French when I was younger was I read French comics. That's how I that's how I did it. And so I would spend you know sort of when we went over to France, I spent a lot of time in in shops in France looking at comics. And as I got older, I was like, oh, there are so many more comics I could read. And obviously in England, as I got older, there were less comics that I could read because right. there just were less available. And so I yeah, I would say that's fair. I would say. Maybe it's starting and maybe very then probably it's the same in the States. You can tell me better if it's starting to yeah. change or tip a little bit. But um, it is. Yeah, it's, it, I think we're still really far behind sort of, you know, whereas in France, you can go into a comic book store and, or, or a bookshop and there are loads and loads of comics. And For me, one of the tipping, one of the tipping points here was like I'm spacing on all of them except one off the top of my head, which is Stumptown which was a TV show about a female private detective, which was based on a comic book. And I bet you that no one who watched that show knew it was based on a comic book because no one wore tights and nobody like it was not, you know, it was not tights and laser eyes. It's just a lady, a, a lady, a lady detective solving crimes like any other television show. And I think you're going to get a lot more of that of people who are like, Oh, that's a comic book. I, why would that be a comic book? It's just about, a lady in Seattle wearing jeans. Like, what? she doesn't have tights. Why was that ever a comic book? And I do think you get, we get more and more of that. You will eventually get a movie based on a comic book that wins an Academy Award and it won't be, you know, for best picture and it won't be, uh, it won't be Avengers Endgame. It'll be something like Fun Home. It'll be something like, my favorite thing is Monsters. It'll be, you know, some mm -hmm. high art comic gets adapted to a movie, no one will think of it as a movie because it's not Marvel or DC. No one will think it's a comic book, yeah. you know? And it, it might take something like that to crack people's perception of the art form, you know? And you guys do so, you know, Busy Little Bees isn't exactly a standard comic book. No, no, it's not. It's, um, yeah, it, it's quite its own thing, <laughs> I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not in the, I don't think it's in the style that certainly anybody or any of my so like I have lots of friends who don't read comics and I said I wrote a comic book and they're like oh like a like a superhero thing and I'm like no like this and then I like, go oh, this is this is not what I thought so yeah, yeah so I think that's fair no, and I, I also think that Marvel and DC with their Byzantine continuities have convinced people they don't even know how to read comic books and don't want to read them mm -hmm. They pick up a copy of Iron Man and they're immediately like, I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know what's happening. You know, what? <laughs> you know, they can't pick up a copy of Spider-Man and it's like Clone Saga. What? I don't, what, who is, what now? I don't understand any of this. Uh, they, they don't really make themselves accessible uh, to an enough. audience that is not already on board. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and the flip side, we also have things like the Beano and the Dandy, I think, which people... Yes. comics so if you've the dandy is like a collection of sa of what would be weekday strips on an american newspaper right i think so comic yeah, strips. yeah i think so it's been a while um, yeah it has yeah. been <laughs> I, think I think i have a i think i have a couple of copies of the dandy that i picked up when i was a kid yeah 
Okay. Yeah. And I think they were probably published by, or certainly Beano, by DC Thompson, which is a Scottish publisher as well. So I think no, that's okay. true. There you go. That's, mm. I remember one strip that was a competition between rich kids and poor kids. Yeah. The top and the something. Yes. Yeah. Does that sound remember, good? Yes. Yeah, but right. yeah, there was just a lot of it was like a Sunday supplement of <laughs> of Sunday comic strips, basically, of colored yeah. Sunday comic strips. Yeah. And yeah. I, and we didn't and that's how comic books started in the United States, but we don't do that anymore. Yeah. The origin of American comics is someone collecting Sunday strips into a book and going, here you go. Um, and and that's, uh, what were you reading? What French comics were you reading as a kid, Marielle? Oh, well, my, and I haven't read it for a very long time. Um, <laughs> but I, um, I used to read Yoko Tsuno, which was translated in French, but it was a French artist that did it. And that was, okay. that was one of my favorites. There was a whole, whole massive series of them. Um, yeah, that was that was that is the one I would probably point people to if they wanted to like look at yeah. certainly if you're learning a language and learning comics, which is yeah. <laughs> two things you can do at the same time. Yeah, Yokotsuno was one that that was that was great. Um, I think it was probably quite unique for in its time because sure. it was a female central character wow. um, who was out solving mysteries and things. So yes, yeah, so that was that was good for me. That was that was my. I I am I am Tonton and Babar years old. Yes, yes, I did read those two. <laughs> yeah, oh, nice. lots of those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I read them. I read them in the states in translation, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did. I was not reading them in France in French, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. fair enough. No, that's cool. And it's uh, yeah, and that was. I think that was quite interesting. Is um, I've sort of noticed those crop up a little bit more now, and obviously there's lots around that. But yeah, there we've got this the whole legacy there, isn't there? So. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think they got quite far around. But Zio Kutsuna was, I think, a bit quieter. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was And was more, that originally, you know, was that a manga that had been translated? With a no, French no, it was a, it was a French art. In fact, I think, and I could be so wrong about this, but I think it was one of the French artists that did work um, with Elgin on uh, Tintin and then broke away and did his own, um, his own version. Um, and I think it was because of the family he had that, um, that you know, that it was about Yokozuna and that sort of character, and she had that heritage as well. So I think, I think that's right. But please, ah. nobody quote me on that. Please research it yourselves <laughs> because I may be remembering that completely wrong. You moved yes, over because it was less racist than Tantan. I think maybe yes. So um, yeah, <laughs> I I'd like to think so anyway because that's yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we, we should probably wrap up. We, we usually wrap up by asking people where they can be found and what they would like to plug. Where can people find your comics and tell us about the Kickstarter that's starting on Tuesday? Ooh, that okay. will have started COVID, yesterday COVID. when this yes <laughs> you can start, when this goes live. That Kickstarter will have started yesterday. So yesterday. Oh. Okay. I'm traveling right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yesterday. We, um, so the Kickstarter, um, if you, yeah, wander off to Kickstarter and search for my name, Simon Burks, on the screen, uh, and because uh, it's not actually under Blue Fox Comics, uh, the Kickstarter account, but Simon Burks, and uh, it is called Hobbs Lane uh, Number One, um, and it, uh, yeah, and it, it's it, it's more of a horror thing. It's not one that I've written or Marielle's written. Uh, one of our artists, the guy who, who I found, R. H. Stewart. Um, it's it, he's the artist on it as well, and I think he recommended us to his creative team, which is very nice. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so that's starting, uh, has started now. Uh, so what do I find my name? Um, we'll, 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 we'll have a link in the uh, show notes. Yeah, somewhere, so that'd be cool. So yeah, so uh, and on Twitter and Instagram, uh, it's at Blue Fox Comics, and also it's also the same on Facebook. I don't know why I split it up. It's Blue Fox Comics, and uh, myself, it's uh, S Burke's writer. There you go. You won't. Oh, yes, folks, right. It is on uh, Twitter and, and Instagram. So, and yeah, and bluefoxcomics.com. So just stick dot com on the Good. end of Comics. And can people buy things from past Kickstarters on uh, bluefoxcomics.com? Yes, yes. That, it has all our stuff, uh, digital stuff as well. So, um, yeah, you can buy it all. Should we lie and tell them that the Kickstarter that started yesterday is totally a standalone? You're only going to need to buy the one issue, right? It's not, not <laughs> yeah, that's right. a long time for them to start. The good, good thing about that one, though, it, all three issues, uh, the art is finished. Um, so ah, it's good. just one of those things where we're just doing it. So you don't have to worry. It's definitely going <laughs> to... Good. That's yeah. good to know. Thank you. And Marielle, are you on uh, separately on on social media anywhere? Yes. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Marielle Writes, W-R-I-T-S. Um, so, yeah, you can find me there. And obviously, you can find Busy Little Bees on at Blue Fox Comics. So, um, yeah, head on over and look at all the cool stuff. It, as I recommend <laughs> all of the Blue Fox, Fox catalog. It's really, it's really great stuff. And uh, Ryland, where can the people find you? I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to spell it for you. Um, my books, the Ringo award-winning Aberrants and the four-time Ringo nominated Banjax are available in fine comic shops everywhere and on Amazon and Comixology and all that good noise. Like I said before, uh, Banjax just uh, just came back home, just wrestled it away from uh, its previous publisher, and so we are uh, working out our future plans with it, so more to come on that. Stay tuned. Um, my Kickstarter books, uh, my astral projection thriller, The Jump, and my Fargo West crime drama, The Peacekeepers, uh, can be had right now on uh, via Backerkit. If you go to thejump2.backerkit.com, it's the jump one word and the number two, thejump2.backerkit.com. Uh, you'll find those. Um, uh, it is a great place to get um, signed copies of Banjax and Aberrant since I'm not, uh, you know, doing cons just yet. Um, you know, end of this year, maybe. Uh, but you'll also find rare con variants and all that stuff. And last, but certainly not least, um, my latest and greatest uh, Suicide Jockeys is available right now via SourcePoint Press at your local comic shop. So get down there and get it. Take us home, Avaloni. You are muted. Yes, I am muted. Uh, the uh, I get I get a lot of plane traffic overhead, so uh, I don't like to share that with the audience every single time. Uh, a lot of helicopters in Hollywood as well. Uh, mine is uh, Elvira meets Vincent Price, as I always like to say. If if the title of that does not sell itself to you, you're probably not interested in the comic. Uh, if Elvira meets Vincent Price sounds interesting to you, you will love it and be on board. And talesofthefrightened.com for the Tales of the Frightened album, reasonably priced at $6.66 because we're goofy that way. And uh, that will be perfect for your Halloween season hijinks. Uh, as always, thanks everybody for listening. Simon and Marielle, thank you so much for being on. It was lovely to have you and see you. And we'll catch okay, everyone on this exciting episode. Well, Ciao. Thanks for listening.
If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.